Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. This episode is hosted by Lori Farley. Lori's business and voluntary commitments curate and facilitate connections, relationships, and opportunities for social change through entrepreneurship, partnerships, and alliances between various sectors around the globe, including community development, arts, disability, education, and technology. Lori is involved in numerous ventures related to social innovation and socioeconomic development, including Intonovus Canada and Impact Calgary. Let's jump right to Lori's conversation with Carol Sun. Take it away, Lori. Welcome to the Rainforest Podcast. My name is Lori Farley, and I'm introducing Carol Sun as someone who I'm really interested in, connected to, and she's really connected to Rainforest, so we're here to find out a little bit about what she's up to today. Good morning, Lori. How are you today? Excellent. So, Carol, um, tell us a little bit about um, who you are and what you're up to these days. I am basically an ecosystem connector for the rainforest, as I have been uh, marketed that way by Pete LaFontaine. I started with rainforest. Can we start talking about how I started with rainforest? Would you? Yes. Perfect. I started with rainforest because of Al Deldegan. Al Deldegan is a colleague, a friend, a mentor, and also a business partner of mine. Uh, we both own, uh, he's a founder and co, oh, sorry, co-owner and founder of Capturing Legacies. And uh, he had asked me to become partners with him as of October of 2017. Um, last year in 2018, I was in that, you know, brink of, hey, what to do with my life kind of thing. And um, I was sitting down with Al one day and based on the experiences that I had, and that are on my on my knapsack behind my back here is uh, basically I created a consulting firm, I, not not firm, a consulting gig under my name and belt, helping small startup companies here in Calgary, whether they're in the tech industry or whatever industry that they are uh, in. And so I do have lots of experiences in different industries here in Calgary and also in Vancouver as well. Um, what I brought to Rainforest was, uh, it was last July, Al told me to come to this networking event because I was experimenting on different places and meetups in Calgary, how to brand myself, how to meet people. I had originally just came back from Victoria. I was living there for a while and I had to come back home urgently for family and uh, so I was trying to make ends meet here in Calgary, basically, in all honesty. So I went to Rainforest with Al. He never told me that I had to come up at the very, very front. It was oh, Rhea that told me <laughs> that I was going to do a 30-second introduction, which was completely nerve-wracking. So I wrote down notes of what to say and who I am. And all in all, I don't remember what I said during that 30 seconds. But um, my first time visiting Rainforest I did meet uh, a manager um, at a company that offered me a position. And so from there, I saw the value right away. And uh, over time, I kept on attending Rainforest and I started meeting potential clients of mine. But not just that, um, I really devoted myself to the social contract. So 
to exemplify what I've done for Rainforest and what I'm continuing to do to this date is that, and I don't have a name for it, but I'm helping small startups, literally startup companies that just started, just just got incorporated, they need a brand, they need a logo, they need marketing. I'm literally helping startups start up. Um, I offer, my background is array of marketing, communications, branding, graphic design. Um, I've done a little bit of SEO, but I'm not a service expert in that field, but I do have connections that are. Uh, I've been an HR manager for quite some time as well. And I've done operational work and change management work. And to me, culture is huge. It's important. Uh, A lot of companies, especially in the oil and gas, uh, they have values and they have all these commitments they say that they're going to be doing for their employees, but how is it actually exemplified? How is it actually practiced? And, um, 35% of the time that I talk to these companies, these small companies that are existing already, not the startups that are existing already, they don't use their core values. They don't use their culture. They don't even know what culture is. So the number one advice that I tell CEOs and um, the owners or founders of companies is basically culture is defined on the behavior that you can tolerate as an owner. And then we'll start from there. So that's what I've been doing is helping with HR marketing and also culture mm-hmm. setting. Um, so I'd, like to, I'd just like you to expand on that, that phrase, that culture is what you can tolerate. What do you mean by that? Basically, if I own a company and I, every single person on this earth has their own value, right? They have their own set principles. They have their own set morals and ethics that they have, were raised with or have been living with. Um, a culture is defined by the person that starts that company. Mm-hmm. That's how I believe it. And mm-hmm. maybe there's you know more to it than that, but that is what I see. And so I usually tell owners of companies that it's literally the behaviors that you can tolerate. Just to simplify things, mm-hmm. right? It's the behaviors that you can tolerate. Can you tolerate someone that is not a doer, right? Do you know your audience? How well do you define... Um, speaking to your mm-hmm. own, not speaking to your audience, but how well do you define yourself in getting to know your audience? Not just audience as in clients, but audience as in employees, mm-hmm. right? Because it's the employees that brand your company. They are the walking billboards that leave the front door of your brick and mortar mm-hmm. or your basement, wherever wherever you're situated, right? And, uh, and it just grows from there. All right. So with Impact Calgary, we're trying to support uh, businesses to build social impact into the business model through B Corp um, certifications or sustainable development goals mm-hmm. or strategies around uh, what impact investors are looking for in startup businesses. And so you and I met the other day off chance and you mentioned too that you were helping the company that we met that day to, um, you were talking to them about empathy. Can you talk a little bit about that and how that Fits into what you're talking about. Sure, sure. So I worked with managed service companies in the past, and I've worked with service managed service companies um, along my consulting days. And I would help my companies and clients try to find a promising kind of IT mm-hmm. company that won't 
take advantage of them, um, that actually abides the contract that they, you know, sign their life away for a year or three years time. And uh, it just came to happen that, and I'm not going to say names right now, but uh, there was a client that signed a three-year contract and I read the contract verbatimly itemized every single detail in that contract and 80% way more than half. I'm saying 80 to 85% of the items and the details in that contract was not, was not committed or abided or it wasn't being shown. And yet they were paying $6,000 a month for the service that they were not receiving. To me, that made my stomach turn. So based on researching and also just analyzing the gaps that this company had, um, I tried looking and scouting out for managed service companies for them. And so I met a few, I've interviewed a few, and a lot of them are the same. They have the same model. They have the same business proposal. They have the same, you know, just everything was the same. But the only missing link that I'm seeing here is compassion and empathy, right? It's not just all about the revenue to me. Like money should not be... It's not, You're speaking my language. So for example, I'm not driven by money. I'm driven by the, the cause, the situation, the, the accolades of saying them saying thank you and saying, oh my gosh, thank you for your help. To me, that's payment. Yeah. And um, anyways, I, I always put myself in my client's shoes thinking that if this was my company, what would I do, right? It seems kind of hard for tech people to do that, it seems, do you find? I'm finding across yes. the board, um, lots of companies uh, want my help, and, and I look at their their uh, executive, their founders, or their advisory board, and there's no women. Um, and when I ask them if they're how they're recruiting or if they're paying fair wages or things like that, I hear, no, we're outsourcing overseas because otherwise we can't compete. And so that idea that, well, my idea that they're not, that tech companies seem to be having a little bit more challenge putting themselves in their customer's shoes and knowing what their customers actually want, not just from a service, but from a relationship with a company. It's not just a relationship with the company. I think it's a relationship overall and the spread of mm-hmm. the departments that they have, right? So um, I, I see and understand what you are what you mean, but there's that one missing component. I always advise SEOs, uh, SEOs sorry, CEOs, I still have SEOs in my head, <laughs> CEOs or COOs or CTOs, CIOs, what, whatever the chiefs may be, but basically the individuals that look at, you know, the, the practice at a high level, I actually need them to experience being a technician. Mm -hmm. I actually need them to experience being an AR or an AP to do their administration work. I want them to experience the project management. So I actually have them job shadow with me as I'm learning and um, my participation into their business because I, I, I dive deep. I become one of them. And I make them shadow me as I'm shadowing their employees because they need to know what their employees are actually experiencing with their clientele. Um, having said that, I always I'm I'm all about the egalitarian culture, right? Yes, each each company should there is some kind of hierarchical or there's there's always a top level, right? However, it's 
it's not about that, right? I, I know some CEOs that clean their own washrooms, right? I know that some CEOs that actually get down and dirty and just dive right in there and into the service and into a rack and grabs, you know, like, uh, the, the ASB or the modems or the batteries and, and, and help out. And those are the ones that know their company in and out, basically. And if you, if you dive deep and you actually work along with your employees, not only are you building that relationship with your employees or expanding that longevity for them to trust and retain them as employees, but you're also knowing your company well. And therefore, you could sell your company well. The best salespeople that you could ever hire, or that actually know the best sales or salespeople that, that could market your company, are the owners, mm-hmm. right? They're the visionaries, yes, but they're also the ones that could sell and and get that attention from their clients, right? So mm-hmm. one thing that was really missing that I found was that empathy piece. You know, um, I've worked a lot with conflict management, and I. Uh, you know how just fate happens. You're in a position that you weren't really planning for <laughs> to be. You're just plugged prepares you for the next big thing. You're just plugged in there because you saw the problems and you have the solutions. And so it's taking that initiative. And um, I was positioned in a place where I had my own um, my own clientele myself. Like I had my own clients on my back. So I was an account manager as well. But my account managing was focused on loyalty and retention. These are clients that were unhappy of our services. These were clients that no longer want to service with us. And so I had to bring them back, right? I had to bring them back to trust us again. Whether I had to be at their office site, you know, every single day that week or timed it out or whatever the case may, it was a case by case scenario. But I, again, it's, it's being a part of them and knowing and writing that, that pain that they're, they're, experiencing with the company that I was, you know, I was So you were out. culture building within a business at that time that had a, had, had a weak culture? How did culture fit into, the, into oh, this piece? I'm just curious. How did culture get into my life? Yeah. Okay. So uh, I was hired to be a brand specialist. Um, I was consulting before. So uh, because of my many, many experiences and jobs that I've had, uh, I was actually a network analyst for a company that automated production accounting. And uh, that was a fantastic job, but I was a consultant at that time as well. And so I did work the, you know, the eight hours, sometimes even 16, 18 hours. And um, as a consultant, no work, no pay, right? So (laughs) I took on another project because of my background in marketing and graphic design. I was introduced to another company that needed to get their logo rebranded, their website rebranded, letterhead and letterhead back then when people still use letterheads. But I needed to help them brand their company. And so I was hired on as a brand specialist and I took that on as part-time consulting. But the last thing I did for that company was actually branding. I actually had to, I created a sales and marketing department. I created an operations department. I created an administration department. I job shadowed each and every one of their technicians and each and every one of those technicians was branding themselves and not the actual company. No one knew uh, that, that there was a help desk. No one knew the process or protocols of the service that they signed up for. And so everything was just bleh. And so I, that's how I got into HR is uh, basically making sure that the employees were in it, you know, to, was in the, was in that company to help that company grow. 
Um, there were some technicians that just, you know, that took the time to say that they're working at a client site, but they're at home with their daughters yeah. or they're going swimming with their buddies. And it's like, you're wasting valuable company <laughs> time. Oh my goodness. So, uh, of course we had to retool. We had to, um, re-staff and uh and that's how I got into HR because and I was just self-taught in HR as well uh there was a, a website uh I forgot what it's called but it was a website that had HR mentors that I could chat with I could email with and it was a monthly subscription that I subscribed in and and then they had tools and workshops that could help alleviate some of the problems that this company was facing so that that was a U.S. <laughs> company and that was that was fantastic and I took some certifications as well and um, and then on top of that, we they had no culture, right? Overall, uh, long story short, I basically became a full time employee with this company that I took on as a consulting uh, gig. And um, the CEO and I basically he had some fantastic ideas because we gamified a lot of the process. I gamified a lot of the processes. <laughs> I'm not one that does monotonous work. Like you know, I can't just click buttons all the time or. So what I did on the HR side was um, I did speed dating. I incorporated speed dating to speed hiring because while we were in the process of creating core values within the company and getting our team involved in creating these core values, I also wanted the team involved in hiring. It was, you know, I would hire 10, 12 people every single day asking the exact same question. I'm like, oh, this sucks. So what I did was I actually befriended uh, the local Second Cup. Oh, sorry, Good Earth Cafe. They know me because I'm there all the time. Can I rent out this part of the, you know, the, the cafe? And and I swear we'll buy food, we'll buy drinks because they know me. You know what? They just gave it to me for free. And uh, I got my technicians on and I got the candidates to come in. And each table, I think I had eight tables. Each table was two minutes long of getting to know each other. I did have set three questions set for the employees to ask. Or they could ask questions themselves. So that speed hiring lasted for two hours. After that, we had a team event. I ordered pizza at Good Earth Cafe. So now <laughs> the cafe is now closed, right? And so it was in downtown. So the cafe closed at 5 p.m. 5 p.m. We had a team building event. Uh, we had a debrief of the candidates that came in. They gave me some values, like added values of what they were looking for as, you know, a counterpart, as a colleague. That worked very, very well. We also gamified in creating core values, right? So we did book clubs. Every single week we would read, oh, sorry, every month we would read a book. And, um, well, not just every month, however it would last. Yeah. But every week we would read a chapter of this book, debrief um, every week on the chapter that we all just read. And then we created values from, mm -hmm. from, from there. Um, one book that really stood out for me that uh, the CEO suggested was a Tony Sai book from Zappos, zappos.com. I forgot the title of the book, but the author is Tony Sai himself. He, he uh, is the founding owner of Zappos, which is a shoe company in the States. And uh, as simple as, simple as um, like these are, these are practical core values like get her done, yeah. right? <laughs> Humility, right? Like it's either you have it or you don't. It's basically combining the personal aspect of your employee to the professional aspect of what you want to see and putting those together. And so those are just some, some samples that I can remember from the top of my head by get her done yeah. and humility. So. Well, you know, yeah. I'm thinking, uh, I'm listening to what you're saying and the sort of uh, um, um, what most people might see as all over the place or no focus, lack of focus or hands in too many pots. Uh, I revel in that and I, uh, I'm very similar in that way. 
So I'm just curious, how were you as a kid? Like, what were you doing as when you were a kid? Oh my out? goodness! Like, <laughs> tell me a little bit about that. I'm really curious. What, what, who, what made you who you are today? So I was an air cadet. I was uh, I was I was raised Catholic. I went to Saint Augustine's, um, and right after school, I I go to the Moada Fort, and I was uh, air cadet, and I did that for nine years, and then during weekends, I would go to Chinatown, and and I got taught Chinese because my dad's Chinese. And so I was always in school, right? I was always, I was military trained and I was in school. And uh, that was my childhood. Um, I did a lot of building. I love constructing. Uh, I like taking things apart. I took apart our boom box that had three cassette tape. It was this big and it had like three cassette <laughs> tapes. One was one, one cassette had the record button and the other two was just playing. I would take all that apart, clean and dust the insides of it and look, look at the mechanics. I, I love, I, I'm a, I'm a hands-on and visual person. And so that was me as a kid. And mm-hmm. I was, I was very curious. I was always so I curious and I still am. <laughs> yes. I was very creative. Um, my parents growing up, I have a Filipino mother and a Chinese father and having those two ethnicities combined, I was, I was raised in a very, very strict household. So we were spanked to the point that right now it would be considered as child abuse. <laughs> but, um, so I had a lot of fear built inside me because of how they, they raised my sisters and I, um, so there was not a lot of answering back as well. Um, where am I going with this? <laughs> do, you, do, you think that, do you think that that makes makes it easier for you to step into other people's shoes? Do you think that's part of it that you that you um, there, there's a piece of you that that that's paying attention to what other people are are doing, or thinking, or saying? Yes, and you know what? I really constructed this in my head that because I was the youngest. Um, I was always the objective one whenever my sisters got, got in trouble, right? And um, because of that fear base that I had with my parents, which actually took on a positive effect on my life now, I'm always the one just listening and, and examining mm-hmm. and seeing the situation and how we could resolve the situation. I was always that mediator for my cousins as well, for my family and my sisters mostly. Um, and... Because I was such a curious soul, knowing we traveled all the time as a family too. So every single year we would go to Asia or visit uh, relatives from Asia. And so my curiosity just grew from there because I'm seeing different cultures, diversity. Uh, I'm seeing, you know, I, there was one time I asked my dad, I'm like, dad, you have slanted eyes. I have somewhat slanted eyes, but these guys have different slanted eyes and we were in Japan at that time right so and it's like oh or we were in uh in China and and I don't speak Mandarin but we were in China and it's like dad I'm part Chinese you're Chinese but how come you can't understand them right because right. he's from the southern mm-hmm. region Fukien I had all these questions stemming and I was a very outspoken two-year-old three-year-old I remember my parents telling me that there was a, a business uh dinner at their house and all the maids had, you know, had put the food in and I would always tell the maid, here, come sit with me, eat with me, right? I've always wanted them to come because I've always thought that they were also my family. Uh, there was that. And then whenever there's a, a business colleague of my dad that comes in a table and he was a big guy, right? And big people don't exist so much in Asia. Anyways, I told the guy, I was like, you're fat. 
Like I was just so outspoken <laughs> and all, all these different stories that I've, I've done as a kid, but definitely a curious soul, very creative. Uh, there's always different ways of, I remember I was also rebellious, so I'd always sneak out of the house. And so like, oh, what's a way to sneak out of the house today, right? So that's Sounds probably where it all, <laughs> that's probably how it all stemmed from, but yes. <laughs> Interesting. It, I'm, I'm curious, I'm always curious to where, how people, where they came from and how they got to. Was it, was it a, a product of their childhood? Was it something that came after? So I think you, it sounds to me like you've always had it, had it in you. I think I might, I might, I might have as well, but I grew up in a small rural community where options for women, um, in general were pretty farmy teaching still, you know, this is in the eighties still, right? So I never got to take shop of the things, but I was inventing things and building things in our shop at home. But when I did an aptitude test, uh, in school, whatever grade you do that, grade seven, maybe I was supposed to be some sort of electrical engineering technologist or something, but nobody knew what that was. So I didn't. I could pursue it to, you know, I might have been an engineer now. I have no idea. So I'm, I'm always curious. So it's tell fun, me. It's funny you say that because I took an aptitude test as well. And it said uh, engineer for myself, a psychiatrist or a carpenter. Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so like, hands on. Everything is hands yeah. on, right? And analyzing. Analyzing and, and inventing things and yeah. those sorts of things. Yeah. So what are you up to these days? What are you doing like right now? So right now, what I'm doing is I'm trying to create a brand for myself. So I've created a brand um, for others and seeing the value of others and helping them with their values and making that grow and expand. I haven't done that for myself mm. lately. And so uh, I'm actually in talks as well, again, with Al Del Deacon on this, but um, I'm trying to create a consult. I want to still help. Others, whether it's consulting, whether I'm going to be doing it as a proprietor, I don't know, but I still want to help in mm -hmm. some way, shape, or form because that's where I get my joy, right? When you want to do something in life, it's what sparks you. Yeah. And what sparks me right now is helping the people that lack the knowledge, lack the experience, lack the exposure, lack the connections. I have a ridiculous amount of connections in Calgary and I just want them to collide yes. with each other that's where I'm at right now so given that that's what you're up to these days and and are you seeing a specific space that you're fitting into here in Calgary or are you multi-industry are you looking into a specific sort of area or are you pretty wide open in terms of the, the spaces and people that you're trying to support and work with because I just came out of being a program manager for the tech space, um, and to define that, I was helping basically unemployed individuals here in Calgary that got hit with the economic downturn. Um, and these individuals range from all industries. The fact that I was helping them get trained to being network specialists and also software developers, I want to stay in this mm -hmm. space. Okay. I, I Definitely the tech space, because I see a definite need for it. There are, like... It was it was broadcasted and I'm probably gonna I'm not gonna name who, but because I'm probably gonna say it wrong right now. But it was broadcasted that only five percent of uh, of startups are generated here within Calgary oh and God, and uh, but there's a high percentage in Victoria, Vancouver, and Toronto because there's that missing link. And I know what that missing link yeah. is, and I'm not gonna say it right now, but I'm still working on that, and I know what that is, and because. I know the mechanics 
and the cosmetics of it, that's where I'm trying to focus mm -hmm. on right I now. I think that'll be a good partnership for you and I because we're one of my goals is to uh, support entrepreneurs to get to the space where they can hire one person. There's like 94,000 exactly. businesses in Alberta, yeah. and if they go yeah. hire one person, I need yeah. to hire two people. Yeah. I just can't seem to get to it yet. But. And because of the resource that I have with funding, um, which you know already that we've spoken about, uh, I'm actually working with her right now to help these startups employ people right. to expand yes, in order for you to expand your business you need to employ other people that's right. because you can't as, as, as a ceo you cannot you know cut yourself there's that's just right. so much time in, in well, a day it's a so. bit frustrating to me that um the government doesn't see solopreneurship as a form of a job it's not a job it doesn't count in the job market uh so we need every solopreneur to, or small and enterprise small medium-sized enterprises who are in the one to five range to all hire one more person. That's right. And if we can do that, we won't have an economic challenge. And so we were really striving to that by helping people get the right resources in the right time in the right order so that they can grow faster, attract the resources, including funding to themselves, which means more jobs for, for other small uh, and medium-sized enterprises That's right. to start with. That's right. You know? Not just jobs, but some of the jobs uh, may lack training. So there are right. there are funding that is you know that could be utilized for training. Right. There's also funding for research and development of a type uh, of a, a specific unit of your of your business. There's conference um, grants. There's female entrepreneurship grants. There's grants under forty. If you're under forty, yes. there's you can dip into those. There's so many types of funding, and I want so to many. educate people to know and let them know that these fundings are available. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we need to work together. It's pretty obvious in this conversation and every conversation we've had to this point. <laughs> um, so we have a little bit of time left. Um, maybe can you share a little bit, you're going through this sort of rebranding, branding for yourself. Can you just share to the audience what that process kind of looks like so they know what to look for and when they're coming to you for help, what that's going to look like? Basically, branding is setting your, your brand within the community. Mm -hmm. Um, because I'm in, I'm writing it right now, the number one advice that I could just give is that don't, don't be afraid to do things for free. I've said it already in front of many people when I was a guest host at Rainforest that, look, we volunteer our times at pet shelters, hospitals, uh, the community, community centers, and so forth. We volunteer one or two hours a week because of all the experiences that we have inside of us, each and every single one of us, we all have different types of experiences. We've worked in different industries. We've, we've gathered so much skills and talent. Why don't we actually volunteer our time to help out the business community, right? Um, I call it sweat equity. <laughs> it's, it's literally, it's not just advising, it's doing the work for them as well because they don't know how to do it. So, Teach them how to do it. The preliminaries of things, the the you know the infant stages of where these startups are, and so that's what I've been doing. And there's many startups that are offering rewards in some way for that through maybe shares or so. Depending on exactly. the, the, the depth and the level that you get involved in a company, there's lots of ways that you can actually benefit. I concur. Yeah, definitely. And and also it's 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 not that I'm asking for anything back in return. You know what? They would see my value regardless because I'm working with them. Mm -hmm on that need that they have right now that they can't pay for. So that is the criteria is, you know what, you're making a brand for yourself just by assisting and helping. It's as simple as that. Okay, I like that idea. Um, so as a last sort of comment as we wrap up, 
what's the one thing that you want not only the people of Rainforest to know, but anybody out there that might be listening to us who aren't in Calgary, Alberta? What's the what's the Carol Sunism that uh, goes out with you wherever you go? Know your audience. Breathe in confidence and breathe out fear because fear paralyzes us to do anything. Even just stepping out that front door, you know what? Take the F-E-A-R out from your head. It's all about bringing that energy to yourself, right? Um, I'm I'm all about meditation and I'm not going to go holistic on, on you right now, but, but it's true. It's living that present moment uh, when you're speaking to others, the audience, the people in front of you. Give them your full time. Give them your attention, you know? Like everyone's saying that we're all busy with our cell phones, even though both our cell phones are on the <laughs> table right now. But but still, like it's it's having, it's just adding that added value that you are hearing someone that is in need of assistance and help. Relationships, trust, that all stems from that. Just, I agree. Yeah. I use that with stewardship, maintaining relationships, not forgetting about things. If you do forget about them, go back and... Reopen them. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, I've been talking with Carol Sun as part of the Rainforest Podcast. My name is Laurie Farley. Thank you for coming. I really appreciate you having me. We're going to do a little tour of the Metaspace where we're in right now. So it's all very exciting. And we'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Bye. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-source, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social-barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode is sponsored by Capturing Legacies, because everyone has a story, and Capturing Legacies is here to help you tell it. Visit CapturingLegacies.com for more information. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.